Merry Christmas, everyone. It is a blessing to uh, be with you today and just to celebrate this Christmas day. Uh, we know that Jesus is the reason for the season and we want to make much of the birth of Christ. I hope that you uh, are enjoying family right now and uh, enjoying uh, one another's company and celebrating the birthday of Jesus Christ. Well, there is a word from the Lord on this Christmas day. Uh, and as I think about Christmas day, I think about my own traditions and all that God has done uh, with for me and done with me and my family. And so I'm, I'm excited today about Christmas because Christmas is not just a sing, single event, but it is a movement. It's, it's uh, God at work in our lives, God at work in the world, and God wrapping himself in human flesh and becoming one of us. Well, for just a few moments, I would like to call your attention to Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And there you will find these words. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone that the Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I would like to also read Eugene Peterson's translation, the message, uh, and it reads as follows. It says, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up at any minute. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry from the center of your life. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God lasts forever. And just for a few moments, I would like to hang as a title over this text, the ornaments of the Christian life the ornaments of the Christian life. A few, few years ago, it was during the Christmas season, and uh, I was driving down the road, and uh, over to my right at the intersection was a huge Christmas tree. That tree had been there many years from what I could tell, but at this time, they had put some ornaments on the tree. And so every day on my way to work, I would look over to the right and I would see uh, that Christmas tree with ornaments on it. 
And whether it was raining, uh, whether the wind was blowing, uh, that Christmas tree always caught my attention because of the ornaments. And I began to think as I drove past that tree, we're like that Christmas tree in the sense that God has spiritual ornaments on the life of every Christian. Those ornaments draw attention from others who want to know about Jesus Christ. So I began to ask myself the question, if I was a Christmas tree, what kind of ornaments would be hanging from the branches of my life? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I think Paul has something uh, to share with us from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, because uh, people may not go to your home and see the Christmas tree that you've put up, but they can certainly look at the Christmas tree of your life and see what ornaments are hanging from the Christmas tree of your life. And, you know, when you think about ornaments, the word ornament is defined as something that attracts uh, someone to a particular object, something that grabs somebody attention. It's an artifact. It's a, a symbol. And so in many ways, there are ornaments, spiritual ornaments that Christ wants hanging from the branches of our lives. And such is the case when we look at Philippians and even during this Christmas season, uh, think about Christmas not just being an event, but it's a movement that should draw attention, that somebody should want to know something about Jesus Christ. They should be able to look at my life and your life and want to know something about Jesus. Now look at what Paul says here in verse 4 of chapter 4 of Philippians. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. So the first ornament that should be hanging from the tree of our lives as Christians is rejoice or joy. As a matter of fact, I have some ornaments uh, with me here. If you don't mind, I want to share with you. Uh, now, my wife doesn't know I have these ornaments, so uh, I want to share these with you. Now, I would think that the that rejoice would look something like this. Rejoice would would look look something like this. It would draw some attention. Now, the thing about Paul is he uses this word rejoice. He uses the word joy uh, some 12 times in Philippians. And any time a word is repeated that many times, it, it, it means that it's very important. And many of you know that whenever you, uh, whenever you uh, decorate your tree, sometimes we have a theme that runs throughout the tree. And I would think that Paul is saying here, as much as he uses the word rejoice, as much as he uses the word joy, he's saying that that should be a running theme throughout the life of every Christian. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, let me put this, let me put this, this ornament on this tree here. So that, that's the, the ornament of rejoice. God wants us to put this ornament on the tree of our lives. 
And notice what he says here, rejoice in the Lord. In other words, the, the source of our joy is Jesus Christ. Jesus being with us and Jesus being in us. He is the source of our joy. Now, it's important that we as Christians don't get our resources and our source mixed up. Now, Jesus is a source. He's not a resource. Uh, Jesus is the source of our strength. He's the source of our joy. Now, a resource may be the car you drive. It's not your source. A resource is the job that you have. It's not your source. A resource is the clothes that you wear. It's not your source. You don't get your joy as Christians from the car you drive. It may make you a little happy, but it doesn't, it shouldn't give you the kind of joy that Jesus can give you. So Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, Rejoice. I want to, I want, want you to know today that Jesus is the, is the source of our joy because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Uh, Jesus doesn't change. We can trust him. Uh, he's the one that gives us true joy. And he tells the Philippian Christians, now it's interesting that, that Paul is writing this letter from a Philippian jail. And, and, and he's telling the Christians in Philippi to rejoice. It's interesting that Paul has the audacity to tell them to rejoice. And there he is in a dark, dungy, uh, 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 a nasty jail cell. And there he is saying rejoice. So that, that's one of the running themes that should be in the life of a Christian. But that's not the only ornament that Paul mentions here. Look at what he says in verse 5. Let your gentleness be known to everyone that the Lord is near. Let your gentleness. The idea that Paul has here is that God is in control so you can relax. God uh, is very near, so you don't, you don't have to worry. God is right by your side, and as long as you're with God, you are the majority. And so he says, let your gentleness, you don't have to retaliate. You don't have to seek revenge. He says, let your gentleness be known to everyone. And the idea here is what we, what we would call Advent ethics, that Advent should shape our behavior. It should govern our behavior that God is near. If we don't know anything else or come to a knowledge of anything else about Christmas, it's really the, the celebration of the reality that God is with us, that God is near, that he is a very present help in our time of need. Now, I have another ornament here, and I would call this the ornament uh, brothers and sisters of gentleness. And I know this don't look too much like gentleness, but work with me here. So this is the, the ornament of gentleness. I have to be gentle in putting this on. This, this ornament represents the fact that God is sovereign, that he's in control. And as long as God is in, is in control, we can relax. I think the psalmist said, be still. And know that I am God. 
He also said, I will look unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. You know, I like what Gordon Fee said about this passage. He said, Paul, the theologian of grace, is equally the theologian of joy. Christian joy does not come and go with one's circumstances. Rather, it is predicated altogether on one's relationship with the Lord. And it is this abiding principle uh, and deep spiritual quality of life that governs our lives. So I, I want to encourage you today uh, to let uh, your gentleness that when you are around other people, people who may not know the Lord, let them know that God is near, that he's present, that he's a very present help in time of need. When they want to know about how calm you are, let them know that the source of your calmness is Jesus Christ. Now, he goes on to say in verse six, he says, do not worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The key word here is worry. Do not worry. Or one translation said, don't be anxious about anything. Now, that's one ornament that God does not want on the branches of our lives. And that is the ornament of worry. Now, if I had an idea of what worry looks like, I would say it looks like this. Uh, worry kind of looks like this. It, you, you're in disarray. Uh, this word worry uh, uh, in Greek is the word merimaneo, which literally means to have a divided mind, or, or it, it carries with it the idea to be carried away by the cares of this world, to be obsessed with the cares of this world. And so Paul tells the, the Christians in Philippi, he's also telling us, don't worry about anything. Don't have a divided mind because God is sovereign. He's in charge. He is near. So you don't have to Worry. You don't have to have a divided mind. You don't have to worry about what you're going to eat. You don't have to worry about what you're going to wear. Uh, if, as long as you rest in the sovereignty of God, you know, I've never seen you know, every morning when I look out my, uh, look in my backyard, there are birds in my backyard and they're always, uh, in my backyard early in the morning trying to get those worms and they're, there's a, a robin there. There's a Stellar's jay. But, you know, the thing that I notice about those birds, I never see a bird walking back and forth saying, I wonder what I'm going to eat today. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to eat. Uh, but what I notice about those birds is that they believe in the sovereignty of God. And so they just go looking in the, into the ground, knowing that there's a worm there somewhere, knowing that there's some food there somewhere. They don't have a divided mind because they believe in the sovereignty of God. And I, I, and I want to encourage you today during this Christmas season to rest in the sovereignty of God and don't have a divided mind. Uh, rest in the reality that the Lord is near. Now, this is one 
ornament that I'm not going to put on the tree. This is, this is just a, a illustration. You don't want to put anxiety on the branches of your life. Amen. Amen. So let me put this back in the bag. So he says, he says, don't do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So the antidote to worry is prayer. Now I, I have another, I, I have another ornament here that represents prayer. I chose this ornament as a symbol of prayer because it's, it's multifaceted. Uh, see, prayer is, isn't just a, a one way, uh, uh, pattern of spiritual practice, but he says supplication or petition and thanksgiving. So when you look at prayer, prayer has has many sides to it. There's a supplication side to it. There's a petition side to it. There's a there, there's a, an acknowledgement side to it that we acknowledge the sovereignty of God. And so when we begin to look at prayer and engage in the spiritual practices of prayer, prayer is not just a one way street. It, it's multifaceted. Uh, there's a part of prayer where we listen to God and there's a part of prayer where we talk to God. And in the process of prayer, God gives us insight. He gives us foresight. God answers our prayers. And now there are some times in our lives that God says, yes, sometimes he says, wait. And there's sometimes God says, no, but God always has uh, a rationale for when he says no, just like with Paul, when Paul prayed that, that, that God would remove the thorn in the flesh. Uh, God said to Paul, Paul, I'm going to say no to you, but I want you to know that my grace is sufficient. Even in your weakest moments, my grace is sufficient. So even in the process of God saying no, He's letting us know that his grace is sufficient. So prayer, brothers and sisters, is multifaceted. And, and the, the fact that God says uh, by prayer and supplication, supplication means you need to be specific. God wants us, doesn't want us to pray um, tent prayers that covers everything but doesn't touch anything. God wants us to be specific when we pray and seek guidance from him. He wants us to pray with specificity and be focused on our prayer. So I'm going to put this, put this prayer, uh, on this tree here. Let's see if we can find another area here. That is the prayer of supplication and petition and acknowledging the sovereignty of God. Look at what he says here that we, we, we have to petition God, but we also have to thank God. Sometimes we want to thank God in advance because we know that God is getting ready to do something in our lives. And sometimes God doesn't answer prayer right away because he's trying to, at the same time he's blessing you, he's trying to bless somebody else. So he said, let your requests be made known to God. As one writer said, pray as if everything depends on God, but work 
as if everything depends on you. And see, sometimes, brothers and sisters, we have to put feet on our prayers. God is not some cosmic bellhop where that we do nothing and God does everything. Sometimes God says, uh, this is a prayer that you can answer because I've empowered you to do something uh, in answering your own prayers in this situation. So I, 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 most importantly, prayer is about drawing us closer to God. And the closer we get to God, the more clarity God gives us. But there's one other ornament that Paul points out here in verse 7. He says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God. And this word peace, the peace of God is what we call in Greek, it's a genitive of possession. It's, it's a peace that is, that belongs to God. He's the originator of this peace. Uh, it's a peace that that the world can't give. It's a peace that doesn't come from your bank account. It's a peace that doesn't come from the house that you live in. It's a peace that doesn't come from the job that you have. It's a peace that only God can give. And this this word peace is the is the word irene, but it finds its root and its source in the Hebraic term of peace, which is shalom, which means wholeness. And well-being, uh, it, it means welfare. It means that that God is the originator of peace. I think that's what Isaiah had in mind in, in Isaiah twenty-six three when he says, "He will keep you in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on Thee." Now I have another ornament here that that represents peace, and uh, this this ornament. Uh, represents peace because it, 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 there's something about peace, the peace of God, once once God gives you uh, a taste of his peace. And, and what I notice is every time I touch this ornament, I get glitter on me. And and that's that's the thing about hanging out with God, uh, that you, you get some of God's, the glitter of God's peace on you. Uh, you get it on your your clothes. You get it on your personality. You uh, peace is something on the inside that manifests itself on the outside. It it, it comes off of the tip of your t- tongue. It, it it helps you to walk straight. It keeps you in your right mind. When you turn your worries over to God, God gives you a sense of peace that the world can give and the world can't take away. And so this is what Paul tells the Corinthian Christians and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Sometimes we we don't understand how God can give us peace in the midst of chaos. With all that is going on in our world, uh, all of of the crime and all of the the political tension in our world, God says, I'm still able to give you peace. If you continue to pray and seek my face, he says, this peace surpasses all understanding. And then he uses this term, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The the imagery that Paul has here, and I imagine Paul, he's in this jail cell, cell and he's looking at this Roman guard. And as he looks at the Roman guard who's keeping guard over him, who's trying to watch over Paul, Paul 
uses uh, Ill takes that 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 symbol of that guard and uses it as an illustration. He said, just like this guard, this Roman guard is guarding me. God guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. God protects our hearts. He protects our minds and he gives us a sense of peace so that he regulates our minds and he stabilizes our hearts so that we won't be plagued with anxiety. That's the kind of peace that Paul is talking about. So brothers and sisters, these are the ornaments that should be hanging from the branches of our lives. And whenever I think about Christmas and I think about that nativity scene and I see uh, the shepherds there and I see I see the animals there and I see Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus there. And the thing that comes to my mind whenever I see that that nativity scene is God's peace. And the thing that we don't see is God the Father there, but you can rest assured that God the Father was the one giving peace to, to that tranquil moment when Jesus came into the world and he wrapped himself in, in human flesh and became one of us. And that's my prayer for me, that's my prayer for you, brothers and sisters, that we will have that peace that surpasses all understanding in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.